privilege to be back with you tonight. Appreciate the goodness of the Lord. It's been ours to enjoy this day. It's the Lord's day. Genesis chapter number 37. I want to begin reading in verse number 1. I'm going to read a few verses tonight. guess I better get Mickey off. I was with some people here the other day, and they saw us wearing a Mickey Mouse watch. And they said there's a little boy inside that big man somewhere. And as uh, Dr. Billy Canoy here the other day in Greensboro, North Carolina, and he said, uh, Preacher, do you know why Mickey ran away from home? <clears throat> I said, no, Doc, tell me. He said, because he found out his daddy was a rat. And so, well, Genesis chapter number 37, verse number 1. I trust that you will pray for us tonight as we bring the message that God will loose us in his power and let us preach. It's just a pastor while we're going to study, and he said, Brother Buster, is there anything you need tonight on the platform? I said, I need the touch of God. He said, well, that's between you and the Lord. He said, I'll pray for you, but uh, I pray that you'll pray for us, that God will help us. Chapter 37, verse number 1, the Bible said, And Jacob dwelt in the land, wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. And these are the generations of Jacob. And Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Billah, with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. When his brethren saw that their father loved him more than his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here, I pray you, this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaves also arose and stood upright, and behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaves. And his brethren said unto him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream. He told it to his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. Behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the same. Now, I want to leave off reading there. I want you to drop down to verse number 19. The Bible said, and they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. I want to preach tonight with the help of the Lord and with the touch of God. I want to preach on, uh, Behold, this dreamer cometh. I want to preach on the dream life of Joseph. Now, that's what his brethren said. That's what they called him. They said, Here comes this dreamer. Now, there's nothing wrong with dreaming the right kind of dream. The Bible said about the nation of Israel, the Bible talked about we were like those that dreamed when God turned the captivity of the land of Israel. The Bible said in Proverbs 29, verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. I love to study about the life of Joseph. Now, do you understand? You know there's 50 chapters in the book of Genesis. 50 chapters, and yet 13 of these chapters are devoted to the character that we're studying about tonight. Now, think about that. There's more said about Joseph than there is creation. 
There's more said about Joseph than there is Abraham or Isaac or Jacob. I mean, he's the primary character. More said about him than anybody else in the book of Genesis. Now, that's not by accident. That's not coincidental. You see, Joseph is the most Christ-like person in all of the canyon of the Old Testament scriptures. He typifies the Lord Jesus in so, so many ways. You know, what else is interesting to me? I thought about in chapter 1, the book of Genesis, chapter number 1, you'll find that in verse 16, when Moses, we understand Moses was the human penman that God used to pin down the first five books of the Bible. And when Moses was writing about the stars and the sun and the moon and the constellations and the galaxies, all God would let him say was five words. And he made the stars also. That's all God had to say about all of the billion stars. No telling how many galaxies are out there. Yet, when it came to talk about a person who was like to his son, who was Christ-like, God said, all right, Moses, I want you to slow down now and take your time. And, and some 13 chapters are devoted to the life of Joseph. You said, preacher, what's so interesting about that? Well, you see, that tells me that our God is more interested in saints than he is in stars. He's more interested in Christians than he is in constellations. He's more interested in us being godly than he is in all of the galaxies. He desires that we be like the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as you study the life of Joseph, you'll find that there's an explanation of circumstances. You see, Joseph's life, it, it shows us that there's one who dares to live for God when the circumstances are really against him. I mean, Joseph had every right to complain, to murmur, to bellyache, and yet he dared to serve the Lord in adverse conditions. You'll see there's an explanation of circumstances. And then there's an example of conduct. What a Christ-like young man. What a Christ-like example. By the way, he didn't have a Bible. He didn't have a pastor to turn to. He didn't have a youth director to go talk to. Joseph was all alone, yet he was not alone. For the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob was with Joseph. There's an example of conduct. And then also you'll find here that there's also, I call, just say, a Christ-like exaltation. There's an exaltation of Christ. Joseph, in his life and in his living, he exalted the Lord Jesus Christ. And may it be so of our lives. May it be so. Now, as we think about Joseph, and I want to get to the heart of this in just a second. But as you think about Joseph, there are so many types. As someone told me, there's over 120 different analogies of how Joseph is the type of the Lord Jesus. But in chapter 37, verse number 3, you'll find that he was greatly beloved of his father. And would we not all agree tonight that the Lord Jesus is greatly beloved of the Heavenly Father? And then you'll find in chapter 37, verse 20, he was hated by his brethren. They could not even speak peaceably unto him. Is that not so of the Lord Jesus? John 1:11. he came to his own, but his own received him not. His own brethren, if you will, in the flesh, the nation of Israel, Said, away with this man, away with him, crucify him, crucify him. And then you'll find in chapter 37, verse 28, you'll find that Joseph was sold for 20 pieces of silver. And did not Judas Iscariot 
sell our Lord out for 30 pieces of silver? And then you'll find in chapter 45, we'll not look at that, but in chapter 45, verse 1, through that whole chapter, you'll find that Joseph revealed himself unto his brethren. You remember how that Jacob sent him down in the land of Egypt to buy corn and bread, and Joseph sends him back and forth, and finally he reveals himself unto his brethren. You say, preacher, how is that a type of the Lord Jesus? There's coming a day in Zechariah chapter number 13 when the Lord Jesus is going to come riding back from heaven on a white horse and the armies of heaven with him. And he's going to come back and the nation of Israel is going to say, where did you get these wounds in your hands? And he'll say, in the house of my friends. And Paul said that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in and a nation shall be born in a day. Christ is going to reveal himself unto his brethren, the nation of Israel. And an entire nation, two-thirds of them will die in the tribulation period. One-third of them shall come through. And that third that comes through, they're going to receive him, recognize him as the Lord Jesus Christ. Joseph is such a type of the Lord, so many other ways. But I want to go a little further tonight. In chapter number 37, verse 19, my thought, behold, this dreamer cometh. Now those were words of ridicule and accusation and scorn. Why they hated him, this young man that dared to dream dreams. Why, man, they looked down on him. Now as you study Joseph, you'll find this at the outset. He's different. Joseph is absolutely different. You'll find his decisions made him different. And if your decision is to accept the Lord Jesus Christ, your decision to follow God, that, that'll make you different. It made Joseph different. He was different than his brethren. Evidently, those boys didn't really believe. They didn't trust in the God of Israel at that time. But Joseph, his decision about salvation made him different. And if you ever get saved, and if you are saved, I guarantee you it made you a different person than what you were before you got saved. I was preaching in this city just a few weeks ago, and early that Sunday morning, the week revival, the preacher drew me aside, and he said, Preacher, I need your help. He said, there's a man sitting back there. He's got a ponytail. He's about your age, 42. He's got an earring in his left ear, bracelets on his arms, bracelets on his neck, and and he's a full-blown mammoth age. He's got age. He's a sodomite. But he tells me he's a saved sodomite. I said, well, don't panic. Just let me preach a while. That Sunday morning I preached. He came back Sunday night. I preached a little more. And he came back Monday night. And I preached a little bit more. I didn't do it in a wrong attitude. But I began to preach. And I said, if you get saved and born again, God will change you. Now, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, and such were, past tense, such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. I said on Monday night, I preached to him three times, that I said the week that I got saved, I got three haircuts in one week, you hear me? I got three haircuts in one week, I had the turquoise necklace, turquoise rings on, that platform shoes, I said I got rid of every bit of that, I jumped it all, and God
me. I said he'll turn a drunkard into a dad. He'll take a harlot and make a housewife out of her. And I tell you what, if he's listening, I believe they can get saved. I don't know where the deadline is. I don't know where God gives them over to a reprobate mind. I said, if you're a sodomite and you get saved, you'll be an ex-sodomite. I said, if you're a lesbian and you get saved, you'll be an ex-lesbian. I said, you'll get your earrings out of your ears, men. I said, you'll get your necklaces off your neck. I said, you'll get your ponytails cut and look like a man. Well, he didn't come back Tuesday, nor Wednesday, nor Thursday. You say, preacher, don't you think you ought? No, salvation will make a change in you. Read your New Testament. Every one of them that got saved, there was a drastic change in them. Come. By the old maniac, i got to get off this now, but the maniac of Gadara, that old wild man that would expose himself and would cut himself with the rocks and break the feathers and they tried to bind him, but no man could tame him. But when the Lord Jesus sailed across the Sea of Galilee and when the Lord stepped off board that ship, help was on the way. And that old maniac fell at his feet and the Lord cast the devils out of him and you know what them devils said? Them devils said, suffer us not to be just abandoned. Let us go into these hogs. And when the devils got into the hogs, it caused the hogs to commit hogicide. And down in the water they went. But you know, they didn't die. They came up on the other side preaching that baptismal regeneration. You hear me? Oh, God, help us. But the next day, the Bible said they came and they found the maniac. They found him clothed. And in his right mind, standing at the feet of Jesus, I'm telling you, old time, Holy Ghost salvation will put some clothes on your body. It'll put you in your right mind and put you at the feet of an old time preacher saying, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. Well, that's just the introduction. The decisions made him different. His decision of salvation, his decision to serve, his disposition made him different. You see, Joseph had the right disposition toward his family when they mocked him, toward his foes when they mistreated him, and toward his father when he misunderstood him. I tell you, if you get saved, your disposition, your attitudes will change. And then Joseph's devotion made him different. He was devoted in times of prosperity, and that's easy to do. But when the winds of adversity blew across his soul, that and everything was turned upside down, he was still devoted to the God of Israel. His devotion made him different. Then may I say his dress made him different. He wore the coat of many colors. You know what that was like? That was like taking a red flag and putting it in front of an old Brahma bull. It made the brethren furious. Here comes Joseph with a coat of many colors. His dress made him different. I believe if you really get saved and born again, your dress styles will make you different. Amen. Don't you believe that? You say, preacher, are you so narrow-minded? I tell you, I'm so narrow-minded, I believe a gnat could stand on the bridge of my nose and kick both eyeballs at the same time. I am so narrow-minded, I still believe that women ought to dress like women and men ought to dress like men. Why, sure. And then you'll find Joseph's destiny made him different. He was destined for the palace. It was the wrong way in coming. He had to go by way of the pit and Potiphar's house and the prison. But finally, he wound up at the palace. 
I tell you, our destination makes us different. We're that are saved. We're that are born again. We're destined for the palace, friends. We're going to heaven one day. Our destiny makes us different. But in Joseph's dreams, his dreams made him different. And that's what I want to focus on for just a few minutes. And I'll be through. Now bear with me and hang with me. And don't let your mind drift. Three phases. Three stages and phases, if you will, to the dream life of Joseph. Now, in chapter number 37, we're introduced to what I call the special dreams. Special dreams that Joseph dared to dream for the Lord. Now, when I'm talking about dreams, I'm not talking about going out and eating too much pizza and dill pickles and having some kind of -of out-of-the-body revelation. I'm not talking about anything like that. I'm talking about a dream, an ambition, a goal, a desire. Joseph had some special, special dreams. Now, as you study the life of Joseph, you'll find that his mother died as she gave birth to his little brother. When Benjamin was born, she wanted to call Rachel as she was dying. She was drawing her last breath. And and the midwife said, you shall have this son also. And she said, Rachel said, call his name Benoi, which means the son of suffering. But Jacob said, no, his name shall be called Benjamin the son of my right hand. And there's the type of the Lord Jesus. Oh, Benjamin was the type of the Lord. In Benoah, that's the type of Christ, the son of suffering. But in Benjamin, the son of my right hand. And Joseph's mother died as she gave birth to his little brother. You see, Joseph had hard times. Uh, Joseph had adverse conditions. Everything, it seemed like, went against young Joseph. But he dared to live for God. If you'll notice in chapter 37, verse 1 and 2, you'll see the spiritual drive of Joseph. It's here that he brings the evil report of his brethren. Now, don't mistake this. I don't believe Joseph was a tattletaler. I don't believe Joseph was one that just ratted on his brothers. But he was out there with the coat of many colors. He was an overseer. And he had a responsibility to report to his dad. Sometimes you have a responsibility. Listen to me. There's sometimes you have a responsibility to tell the preacher about a certain situation. Maybe in the school area. Maybe somebody's doing drugs. Somebody's trying to get you to drink liquor. Maybe you know about a party that's going to go on. And, and wild things and wicked things are going to go off. You've got a responsibility to have to come and tell them. In chapter number 37, verse number 3, you'll find the splendid dress. Not only do you see his spiritual drive, but the splendid dress as he came wearing this coat of many colors. And from what I can read and study, they believe that this coat of many colors, it meant that Joseph was to be an overseer out there in the field. His dad saw such integrity and character in that young man that that he elevated him. He elevated him to a position of authority. And, uh, you know, he bypassed some of the older brothers. Jacob did that. He bypassed some of them older brothers. Well, you know, that that infuriates people today. I guarantee you there's some preachers in this city. I hope not, but I could probably guarantee it. Here's Dr. Sexton. He'll be 45, as you say, next week. Here's relatively a young man pastoring this church. God's blessing in numbers and a college and God's moving. Hey, everybody's not glad about that. There's always some around that, uh, that will be just, I mean, they resent it when anybody dares to go forward for the Lord. I guarantee you some of these brothers, they probably said, there's old holy Joe. 
goody two-shoes Joe. He's daddy's little pet. Daddy's little pet. Well, Joseph wasn't that. There's probably some of you around here. You might even think that. You say, preacher, you done stopped preaching and gone to meddling. Well, let me meddle a minute. Now, maybe some around here say, well, so-and-so is the preacher's little pet. Hey, if you'd get close enough, if you wouldn't stay off at such a distance, maybe somebody would peck you a little bit. Huh? Amen. I've met that crowd. They say, well, he's old so-and-so's little pet. They probably put enticements on Joseph to get him to see him. They probably tried to pull him down every which way. But Joseph dared to live to God. And you'll notice something else in verse 5 down through verse number 11. You see the spectacular dreams that Joseph had. Man, I mean, he's he seen a, a revelation, if you will. He's seen a dream here, and it's concerning the will of God for his life. That's what he's dreaming about, the will of God for his life. And, and he saw his brethren in it. His brothers were in that dream. His stepmother and his dad was in that dream. And, and he told them his dream. He began to share the spectacular dream. Now, I, I advise all of you tonight, young, old, middle-aged, dare to dream some dreams in the service of God. I mean, don't settle for just being a mediocre Christian. Just don't settle for marking time. You ever remember that in the service? They'd say, well, he's just marking a little time. Down there at the job, they say, I'm just marking time, and, and very soon I'm going to hang it up, and I'm going to retire. Under God as Christians, we don't need to mark time, and, and we don't need to be looking for a place to hang it up. We need to get retired and, and charged and get in the work of God. Joseph, he dreams some special, special dreams. You see, God's got a tailor-made plan for your life. There's a tailor-made will for your life. And Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 17, Wherefore be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. You need to find what the will of God is for your life. And, and Brother Sammy Allen says, Get on the possum's trail of the will of God for your life and stay on it. Stay on the will of God for your life. Well, here's the spectacular dream. But in verse number 18, there's a sinful desire. Now, when you dream some dreams, young preacher men, young people, a lot of old people, they'll turn their hearing aids off. They don't listen to me no way. But you younger people that'll listen to me, I was in a meeting the other day, and they said, Preacher, you're going to have to talk a little louder. I said, Dear God, I'm a deaf and most people in here. They said, We can't hardly hear you. I said, Turn your hearing aid up. Your battery must be weak. But what I'm trying to get you to see, young men, young ladies, dream some dreams for God. Shoot for the moon, friend. I mean, shoot for the sun. It doesn't cost no more to dream for the sun. Remember when I got saved and started preaching, I worked up here at Robert Shaw in Fulton up here. That, that I called it the Fulton Prison. Dear God, I was on the second shift and the third shift, and I just got saved and started preaching. And they laughed at me. They made fun of me, you know. I come in that weekend. I had three haircuts. Come back toting the Schofield Bible. I said, I've got right with God, and God's called me to preach. They said, you smoke so much dope, you've lost your mind. They said, you've gone crazy. And I preached one of my first messages up on the job at the guard shack. We'd go up there over the guard shack, and we had a meeting where the union, union hall used to meet, and the men of the union met. And I got up there and preached Jesus and him crucified. And back yonder was a young man. I began to 
set some goals and I had some desires and there was a vision in my heart. And there were some dreams deep down in my soul. I wanted to be used for God. I knew from the outset. I knew from the start. God's hand was on me in evangelism. And boy, I'd go to hear Brother Mays Jackson. I'd go to hear some of these, Brother Ed Blue and these old-time evangelists. And my heart would be stirred. I'd be driving home from work and I'd pray every day. I'd pray every day. Oh, God, when are you going to give me the green light? God, when are you going to let me get out there and go? When are you going to open the door? When are you going to open the door? And I was dreaming dreams. I was dreaming dreams. Ah, oh, you say, preach, you ought to wake up and quit dreaming dreams. I'm here tonight, ain't I? I'm here tonight. You say, preacher, what are you trying to say? Well, this is a dream come true. I mean, the other time when I was here and this time, this is a dream come true. Man, I'm just an old uneducated hillbilly over here. Grew up in this town. I don't have no knowledge, no insight. I don't know the key men, but I know the man with the keys. You hear me? I know the man that can open and no man can shut. I know him that openeth and no man shuts, and he that shuts and no man opens. You don't have to know the key men if you know the man with the keys. Amen. I just got to dreaming dreams as a young preacher. And on the job, you know, when you tell people your dreams, when you say, I want to build a bus route, and you say, I'm going to build a Sunday school class, and you say, I want to do this with the young people, and I, I've got a vision, I've got a dream. Well, don't think everybody's going to pat you on the back. Don't think everybody's going to say, well, God bless you. You know what some of them will say? Know some of those who meet up there on the job say, why don't you settle down? Why don't you quit ha having all these big dreams, what you're going to do, what you're like to Why don't you just settle down and work on the job and just be a normal preacher? Well, ain't nothing wrong with working on a job. Don't take that wrong. So I'm going to tell you something. I wanted to be used for God. I wanted to be used for God. Now, I'm going to tell you something, young men, young ladies. God will use you if you decide to be used. He will use you. And you see, they, in verse 18, there's the sinful desire. The brethren, they held a conspiracy against Joseph. They said, well, we'll see what will become of your dreams, dream boy. I mean, buddy, they said, hey, we'll, we'll take care of your dreams. You ought to continually be dreaming dreams. Some of you young preachers here are dreaming about being a pastor. Some of you here are dreaming about being a missionary for God. I say, dream on, dream on. Keep that vision, that goal before you. Don't let nobody deter you. Don't let nobody stop you. You better listen to me, you that are not married. You young people, listen to me. I was in a meeting a couple of years ago, and an elderly lady, about 65, close to 70, she came to me just weeping, and she shared this with me. She said, tell young people everywhere you go, preacher. She said, as a young 13, 14-year-old girl, she said, God saved me. And a little later, she said, I felt God wanted me to go to the mission field. I felt that God had set me aside to wait and to pray uh, for a preacher as a husband who had a vision to go to the mission field. But she said, preacher, I didn't wait on God. She said, I got in a hurry. And she said, I missed the will of God for my life. And she said, I've lived in misery and woe for all of these years. And now she said, I'm getting ready to go in. She's talking about going to heaven. She said, I'm getting ready to go in empty-handed. Saved, but as by fire. And she said, I've missed the will of God for my life all these years. It's important, friends. It is so important. Now, we see the special dreams of Joseph. Now, wait a minute. If you dare to dream special dreams, don't think the devil's going to roll over and play dead. 
I mean, you got saved and you've been called a preacher. You you got saved and you're on fire for God and and, and you're going to go for God. Hey, don't think the devil's going to come up and pat you on the back and say, way to go, come on, bring it to me. No, no, it ain't going to be like that. You see, not only do you see phase one, special dreams, but in phase number two, you see shattered dreams. Shattered dreams. The devil's watching this young man with integrity and character. And, and he sees Joseph doing right. And, and he says, no, God, like he did Job, gives the devil uh, the open door and the access that uh, to charge Joseph's soul. All kind of things begin to happen to Joseph. You'll notice in chapter number 37, verse 20 down through verse 36, you'll see the shattered dreams. You know what the brethren did to him? Why, they actually told him the dreams. They grabbed him. They took his coat of many colors off of him. They threw him down into a pit, probably an abandoned well. Do you see Joseph falling down into that pit? He's bruised and bleeding. And he comes to himself and he looks up. And around the mouth of that pit fall them brethren. Those brothers, there's Dan and Naphtali and Reuben and Gad and Asher. And they're saying, hey, dream boy. Oh, Joseph, what about your dreams now? We're going to determine your fate. We'll determine what happens to you. No doubt Joseph probably cried with a broken heart and said, Dear God, what's going on? What's happening, God? And then the Bible said the Midianites, the merchant men came by, and they sold Joseph. They sold their own brother unto the Ishmaelite slave traders. And get the picture now. They drag him up out of the pit. He's bruised and he's cut and and, and they grab him and they show him to those men that's buying slaves. And they sell their own brother out. And I see Joseph tied to the back of a slave wagon. The farmer said the feathers hurt his hands. And I see young Joseph, 17 years old, mind you, just 17. And he's tied to the back of a slave wagon. And down toward Egypt, they begin to drag him. I see him stumbling and staggering, and he turns around and looks, and, and there's the brethren, and they're saying, bye-bye, dreamer. See you later, dream boy. What about your dreams now, Joseph? There he goes, stumbling and staggering down toward Don't you know the devil hopped up on his shoulders and said, Joseph, what about your dreams now? Where's your God at now, Joseph? I'll tell you, Joseph didn't know this, but the Bible said in Psalms 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Joseph didn't know it, but God was in every staggering step. God was in every faltering step. God had a plan, a big, big plan. But you hear me, there's a principle that runs through this Bible. The only way to go up with God is to go down. Before God ever will use you, he'll break you. He'll break you. You see, Joseph is headed down, down, down. I see him as he's down there. You see, listen, your valleys and your trials and your winners and your difficult places, that's just God's. Just God's opportunity to step out of the shadows and to make himself known to you more than ever before. I remember reading Watchman Nee, the great Chinese preacher. Mr. Watchman Nee made this statement. He said one day he got down in his young ministry and he said, Dear God, I desire your very best for Watchman Nee. And he said not within very many days, financial reversement, 
physical reversement, everything began to fall in on him. And he went back a few days later and he began to pray and he said, Oh God, I asked for your best. What's going on? And the sweet Holy Spirit spoke to his soul and said, Watch me, this is God's best to make you to be the best for God. Watchman Lee said sometimes God has to take the millstone of suffering and run it over and over our lives to grind us to powder to make us to be able to be bread for his daughters. You see, God knows what he's doing. I can hear Brother Roloff tonight saying God's too good to do wrong, too wise to make a mistake. And the Bible said, shall not the God of all the earth do right. So you see, Joseph shattered dreams. The jagged rocks of circumstance have arisen. His little ship of life has hit them and, and his dreams are in a million pieces. But Joseph gets down there. He's probably on a slave block. He's standing there and they're oxing him off. And there's a man by the name of Potiphar. I can't help it. I just believe he had dark, shifty eyes. And he's just looking and watching. And he said, I want that young man. I want that young man. And he outbidded everybody else. Potiphar brought Joseph, and he took him probably down to his slave quarters, and he put Joseph in the slave house. And I can see young Joseph somewhere in that first night, as he stole away and probably made him a little altar. He got out on his face and said, Dear God, I don't understand what's going on. Dear God, I can't figure all this out, but God, the best of my ability, I'm going to trust you anyway. I'm going to be the best slave Potiphar's ever seen. And you know what the Bible said? The Bible said God was his father. And God blessed Joseph. He blessed him so much in that slave house down there where he was that that old Potiphar just turned it all over to Joseph. You see, his dreams were shattered in his vocation. The devil tried to sell him out. Sell him out. He thought on a slave block, he thought when the adverse circumstances arose that Joseph would give it up. But Joseph didn't do it. He served God even as a slave. You say, preacher, you don't understand my circumstance. Preacher, you don't understand what I'm having to live with and, and where I'm at in life. But I'm going to tell you, God's in the middle of all your circumstances. God's standing somewhere in the shadows. You know, Joseph just determined to be the best slave Potiphar's ever seen. But now, wait a minute. The devil didn't like that either. He said, great, say, this boy's not going to sell out cheap. I mean, he won't sell out. He won't quit. So he's been made a slave. And you know what the Bible says in chapter 39, verse 1 through 6. His dreams are shattered in his vocation. Chapter 39, verse 7 through 21. The devil, he comes up with another strategy. He comes up with another plan. Potiphar's wife, and Potiphar may have had many wives. But this wife, she put her eyes on Joseph. The Bible said in chapter number 39, the Bible said that Joseph was a goodly young person in verse number 6. Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. In other words, I guess the young ladies would say he's a hawk or he's handsome or man, what a knock. Dear God, we used to say Rock Hudson, but we don't say that no more, do we? No. No, you see, I mean, he was a good person and goodly favored. He was a handsome young man, but that proved to be a liability instead of an asset because Potiphar's wife put her eyes. She determined in her heart she was going to have this young Hebrew boy. The Bible tells us in chapter 39, 
Verse number 6, and Joseph was a goodly person, well favored. Verse 7, it came to pass after these things, his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, lie with me, lie with me, Joseph. I'm not trying to be vulgar nor distasteful. I can see her there, scantily clad, a wicked Jezebel of a woman, and she's trying to seduce that young man, that young man. He's down in a far country, no relatives. Nobody knows him. He could have said, well, everybody's doing it. He could have said, uh, they're accusing me of it anyway. He could have said uh, a lot of things. But like what he said in verse number 8, the Bible said, but he refused. But he refused. I like that. Praise God for Joe. Hallelujah. Thank God for Joseph. He said, no, thank you, ma'am. No way. No way. Boy, that infuriated her. That, that just infuriated her. She got, you talk, she set out more so to get this young man. He could have said, I'm only, it's only natural. He could have said, it's God given a, a desire anyway. But old Joseph, he dared to do right. To do right. Look at verse number nine. I like this. Joseph said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He knew that what if he did what if he did that if he committed fornication or adultery with her in that situation he knew that it not only be a sin against Potiphar and a sin against his wife and a sin against his own body but it would be a sin against God. Now, folk, if we'll look at sin like that and not say, "Well, you know, it's just this, it's that," if we'll see sin is a sin against God Almighty, it'll change our attitude. He said, come lie with me. Come lie with me. May I ask you a question? It's been said that true character is revealed in the dark. True character is revealed in the dark. Now, don't misinterpret what I'm saying. I'm big enough to make three. But there's three of me up here. You say, preacher, you're hallucinating. No, there's three of me up here. You see, there's the Buster Seaton that all of you have met tonight. Then there's the Buster Seaton that my family knows, and Brother Gary Cooper knows, and Brother Johnny McCoy knows, and some of these other men. There's the Buster Seaton that they know a little more about. But then there's the Buster Seaton that only me and God know about. You know, you are really what you are. Listen to me now. Listen. You are really what you are when you're all alone. Now that's something to think about. When there's nobody to tell on you, Nobody knows what you're doing. That true character is revealed. Hey, it's easy to play the game when you're around everybody in here. It's easy to act like a Christian. It's easy when you're around other Christians. But when you're all alone, that's who you really are. True character is revealed in the dark. And Joseph, thank God, he said, no way, no way, no way. He may be 18 years old now. He may have been not, I don't know how long he'd been in Potiphar's house. He may have been, he may have been 19 years old. He said, no way. No way. I want you to notice something. The Bible said in verse 12, and she caught him by his garment now. She didn't give up. She didn't give up. The Bible said, he went in to do the business. The Bible said, nobody else was in the house. And there she lay, and the Bible said, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. I mean, he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. 
It would be better to leave your coat laying there than to leave your character laying there. It'd be far better to leave your vesture laying there than, than your virginity laying there on the bed of immorality. He said, no way. No way! And he got him, and he ran, she grabbed his, she's trying to jerk him in the bed, mind you, and he ran slam out of his coat. If I didn't have this wireless mic on, again, he ran slam out of his coat. There she, there she lay with this coat. You know what? In her mind, here's what she's saying. She's, look, I read this. Clarence McCartney, an old writer, he had this to say. He said, hell knows no fury like a woman scorned. <laughs> you listen? Hell knows no fury like a woman scorned. Elijah found that out about Jezebel. And Joseph found that out about Potiphar's wife. She said, all right, young man. You won't play my game. She said, I'll cry rape. I'll tell the master of the house. I'll tell my husband that, that you tried to seduce me. You understand, Joseph did right. He did right by saying no. But it looks like doing right turned out to be the wrong thing. And his dreams are shattered again. I'm going to tell you, I like what old Dr. Bob Jones Sr. used to say. Do right, do right. Though the stars from heaven fall from their silver sockets. Do right, do right, do right. And right will be right when the judgment seat rolls around. Joseph did right, but it looked like it turned out wrong. But he did right. And you know what? They take him now from Potiphar's house. Potiphar has him sit down to the prison house. You see the picture down and down. And shattered dreams and shattered dreams. He winds up a prisoner. Dear God, he probably got down to the prison house and he cleaned him out of place that night and throwed his little knapsack down, throwed his few clothes in there and, his, and he bowed down somewhere and made an altar and said, Dear God, what's going on? Now he's a prisoner. But the Bible said in God was with Joseph in the prison. I like this. Everywhere Joseph went, God was with him. Even though he was in the valley, even though he was in the trial, even though they lied on him, the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. I must hurry now. I can, can you see him coming in, Mike? Get the picture. He's coming into the prison. Hey, how many ever, how many ever, ever visited, or you've ever preached, or you've ever been to a state penitentiary? I've had the privilege to preach in maximum security prisons. I've had the privilege to preach on death row a few times. And I can see in my mind's eyes, old Joseph comes walking in. He's a young 17, 18, 19 year old young man. He's handsome. He's good looking. Now, here's some of them old hard prisoners in there saying, Hey, dream boy. Hey, good looking. Hey, son, what did you do? One of the guards says, Hey, we got a lover boy on our hands. He tried to seduce the master's wife in her house. And they begin to humiliate Joseph and laugh at him. And walk in. But you know what Joseph did? He regained, he retained that integrity and character. And he just dared to live for God, even in our even in the penitentiary, Joseph just said, I'm going to live for God. And the Bible said God was with Joseph, and before the whole thing was said and done, the man that run the prison turned the whole thing over to Joseph. You'll find Joseph down there for a number of days, months, even years now. When Joseph is brought out of that penitentiary, he's 30 years old. From 17 to 30, I don't know much math, but I figure that's about, what, 13 years? 17 years. Figure me out. Help me somebody. From, what was it? 13? 17. Thank you, Dr. Sexton. He's been school, see? 
17, now think about it now, 17 years of going down, 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 down. Scattered dreams, scattered dreams. Well, what would, what, what would we have done? You reckon we'd have held on to God? You reckon we'd have stayed with the Lord? Or you reckon we'd have picked us a pity party? Y'all ever had any pity parties? Y'all ever had a pity party invited me and I and us? And we sat down and have our little pity party. Why me, God? Why me? Oh, God, why me? Y'all ask me, I have to say this, and I hate it, but sometimes we all ask ourselves, why not me, God? Why not me, God? You ever, you ever been offended to the Lord? No, I'm an independent, fundamental, premillennial Baptist. I'll have you know I ain't either. Have you ever been offended at the Lord? Now, come on. You say, preacher. John the Baptist was. Jesus said of John the Baptist, Matthew 11, not a greater man born of woman than John the Baptist. And John the Baptist got offended at the Lord Jesus. You say, preacher, how do you know that? Matthew 11, he's in the prison house. He hears of the mighty works of Jesus. He sends the two last remaining disciples, each God, and they run to the Lord Jesus. He said, you ask him when you get over there, are you he that should come or should we look for another? John was so depressed and discouraged, he began to doubt that Jesus was the Messiah. He thought the Lord ought to get him out of the penitentiary. That's exactly what John the Baptist said. And when you get to John telling this, and the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the poor have the gospel preached unto them, and blessed is he whomsoever is not offended in me. John the Baptist got offended at the Lord Jesus. Let me tell you something. The Lord knows where you're at. The Lord knows what you're going through. And sometimes we're prone to say, Lord, what's going on? Now here's Joseph in the penitentiary. But in chapter number 40, when you get to chapter number 40, these dreams begin to pick up again. There's two men come walking into the penitentiary, the butler and the baker. And they both dream a dream. And Joseph said in verse number 7, he said, Wherefore look you so sadly today? I've learned not to ask people that. You ask people that, they're going to tell you, Oh, why they look so sad. I just, I just come in and say, Good to see you. Glory to God. You're looking good. Praise God. You ask them why they look so sad, they're going to set you down and tell you. And then you're going to go away looking sad. But Joseph said, why look you so sad? They said, Joseph, listen, they said, have you ever dreamed a dream? Joseph, we've dreamed a dream. Have you ever dreamed a dream? And I can see Joseph turn away. And the devil said, how about it, Joe? Where's your dreams now? And a big lump gets in his throat. He turns back around. He gets his composure. He said, men, interpretations belong to God. He said, if you'll tell me your dream, I'll tell the, talk to God about it, and I'll give you the interpretation. And, you know, they, they told Joseph the dream. And Joseph said, Butler, God's going to deliver you in three days. And Mr. Baker, you're going to die in three days. And Joseph also told the butler, if you'll notice in verse number uh, verse number 14 in chapter 40, Joseph said, Mr. Butler, when you're delivered out of this prison in three days, think on me. Think on me. Tell Pharaoh that I'm down here by no wrongdoing of my own. Tell I can hear that old baker, that old butler say, Joseph, just as soon as I get out of here, son, if this dream comes true like you told it, as soon as I get out of here, I'll tell the favor we'll get you out of here. Look at verse number 23, the last verse. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. Forgot him. Shattered dreams again. Do you see it? I mean, Joseph probably, he had a little ray of hope here. A little light had begun to spring up. And, and he thought, this is the door that's going to get me out. Just as quick as that little light come forward, it was shut. Joseph was in shattered dreams again. And the Bible said in chapter number, chapter 41, verse 1, it came to pass at the end of two full years. Hey, man, the butler forgot him two full years. 
He thought, I'm going to get out any day now. I'm going to get out any day. Days turn into weeks, weeks into months, and two more years. Joseph is now 30 years old. Don't you know he had to build another altar? And he probably said, dear God, I don't understand a thing that's going on. But Lord, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to believe you. I'm going to hang on to these special dreams. Shattered dreams. You say, preacher, why does God let some of our dreams become shattered dreams? If we could ever get this beyond our intellect and get it down into our heart, listen to me. God has so predetermined that we be like the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's through the trials, it's through the problems, it's through adversity. That's what molds us. That's what makes us and develops us into real Christians is all the trials and the problems. Did not First Peter 4.12 said, Wherefore think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. You see, God's working on us and molding us and making us. So now Joseph is down in the penitentiary. Thought he was going to get out, but it's just he's probably resolved to stay there to the longest day he lives. And then in chapter number 41, uh, old Pharaoh got to dreaming. Pharaoh went to bed one night and he got to dreaming. And he dreamed, he dreamed a dream that night. And he saw, you remember seven fat cows coming out of the water and seven lean cows? The seven lean ate up the seven fat. And then he, then he saw a, a, a stalk of corn with seven good ears on it and another stalk of corn with seven blasted and, and lean ears and, and the seven little old little ears ate up the seven big ears. And old Pharaoh woke up shaking his head and called his magicians and his soothslayers and everybody and said, man, somebody figure this out. And nobody could figure it out. But the butler said, I do remember my thoughts this day. There is a man down there in the penitentiary, Pharaoh, his name's Joseph, and he can interpret dreams. I see old Pharaoh said, go get him. Get him now. Bring him to me. I see the command. I see him run down the penitentiary. Joseph's just in there working. He's just doing what he does every day. And all of a sudden, the prison keeper, the man in charge, comes to Joseph and grabs him and said, Joseph, Joseph, I don't know what you've done now, but you're in trouble. Joseph said, what now, sir? He said, Pharaoh wants you. And Pharaoh demands your presence in the palace immediately. I believe Joseph said, did, 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 did you say palace? Did you say the palace? Change clothes, Joseph. Shave yourself. You got to go. They're waiting, don't you? Man, he's being hustled here and there. And, and he's got goosebumps breaking out of his arms like mine. His hair standing on end. And he said, dear God, did I hear that man say palace? Palace? And man, there's a, there's a spring in his step. And, and there's a smile on his face. And, and the devil's saying, don't blow it, Joseph. Don't you blow it now. Don't you get up in front of Pharaoh and go to preaching this God business to him. Pharaoh's got many gods. But you see, what's in your heart's going to come out your mouth. What's in your heart will come out of your mouth if you're in front of the President of the United States of America. Joseph got up there and, and he paid homage to Pharaoh and Pharaoh said, hey boy, I hear you can interpret dreams. Now Joseph could have really strutted his stuff right here. He could have pulled his suspenders out and said, yep, I sure can. But he didn't do that. He said, God can give the interpretation. Pharaoh, there's a God in heaven. There's a God on the throne. There's a sovereign monarch that can tell your dreams to you. Joseph, Pharaoh said, here they are. Joseph said, here's the interpretation. It's coming seven years of plenty. Then there'll be seven years of famine. And you better get ready, Pharaoh. 
And Pharaoh looked around. He said, who is there like unto Joseph in whom is the Spirit of God? And Pharaoh took a gold chain and put it about his neck. He took his ring off his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. And, and they brought the royal apparel and put it around Joseph's shoulders. And somebody in that crowd said, hey, everybody bows. Everybody bows uh, to the second in command. That's who Joseph is now, the prime minister. And I see every knee, every knee in that palace begins to bow down. And the Holy Ghost says, here's phase three. He said, sweet dreams, Joseph. Sweet dreams. Special dreams. Shattered dreams. But now it's sweet dreams, Joseph. Praise God. It's been a long time in coming. Seventeen years all down through the pit and the, down in the penitentiary and waiting and waiting. But now God has brought it to pass. And by the way, what God promises you in the daylight, don't you never doubt the darkest night of your life. What God promises you in the daylight, don't ever doubt in the darkest night of your life. And old Joseph's now the prime minister. No Pharaoh said, you ever been married? He said, no, sir. No, sir. He said, I've got a priest over here in the valley of On. And he said, he's got a daughter and we're going to hit you all up. Joseph said, you're the boss, whatever you want to do. And he got married to her and he had two children. One was named Manasseh and the other one was Ephraim. The word Manasseh means forgetting or forgetful. And God made Joseph to forget all of his affliction. And the word Ephraim means fruitful. One means forgetting. The other means fruitful. And I can see old Joseph bouncing them two boys on his knee. And God said, Joseph, you thought I forgot you, but I've made you fruitful. I've made you the prime minister. And the Holy Ghost said, sweet dreams, Joseph. Sweet dreams. And then, you know, two years come into the famine. The famine's been on two years. And down out of the land of up there in Canaan comes the, the ten brothers. Benjamin stays at the house. And they come walking into the land down there of Egypt. And Joseph, they've changed his name. Pharaoh changed his name, you see. Well, I got a new name too. I don't even know what it is. I've got a new name and it's written on a white stone and it's at the marriage supper. It's a placemat. It's where I'm going to set one. God's given me a new name. And, and Pharaoh changed Joseph's name and no doubt his, his looks changed and he had grown up and, and the brethren came walking in and, and maybe Joseph is standing out there on the balcony of the house and the battlement out there and, and those brothers come walking in and they're looking at all this array and all of this stuff and, and one of the guards said, where are y'all from? They said, up in the land. We're from the land of Canaan and they said the guard said hey everybody bows that's the prime minister right there and he's second in command of Pharaoh they said yes sir yes sir don't don't touch us we'll bow and every one of them brothers every last one of them got out on their knees and, and the Holy Ghost said Joseph I told you 17 years ago that the sun and the moon and the 11 stars was going to bow down to you and hallelujah sweet dreams Joseph and sweet dreams and it came to pass and Joseph recognized his brethren but they didn't recognize him he began to ask them about their father, different things. Did they have a brother anymore in the family? Finally, in chapter 45, he reveals himself to the brothers. He said, I, I'm Joseph. Boys, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Man, he, the Bible said in chapter 45, he kissed away their sins. He kissed them. That's the kiss of pardon. Pharaoh said, Joseph, do this. Get the wagons. Get all the wagons. Load them up with groceries and garments and grace. 
load them up, get the wagons loaded, and send them boys back up yonder. These that you've forgiven and pardoned and kissed away their sins. Send them back up yonder and tell them to get their wives, their little ones, and dad, and get them on the wagon and bring them back down here. And I'll you understand what he gave them provision for the way. Since God has saved us, he's given us provision for the way. He's sending us out with the wagons of grace to tell a lost and dying world to get on board, to get on board. Joseph, the Lord Jesus, can handle every need, every need. Man, I see them brothers riding in them wagons. They're shouting hallelujah. And before they got out, you know what he said? He said in chapter 45, he said, See that you fall not out by the way. Oh, I preach a message on that sometimes. See that you fall not out by the way. God help us not to fall out by the way. There's a famine on. People are starving and dying for the bread of life. The Lord Jesus. Boy, I see them boys. They've been forgiven. Praise God. That had haunted them for 17 years. And now Joseph's alive. They come riding back up there. They come riding. I believe them boys got on top of them wagons. I can see them screaming, Dad, Dad, Jacob, Jacob. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. Brother, that's the gospel if you've ever heard it. There's a picture of the gospel. They were screaming, he's alive. Joseph is alive. This world needs to hear afresh and anew through the power of the Holy Spirit. Christ died for our sins, was buried. And on the third day, he arose. He arose. And he's alive, friend. He ever liveth to make intercession for those that will come to God through him. <laughs> I believe old Jacob said, dear God, what's them boys got into now? Oh, and the Bible said his heart fainted. Read it. His heart fainted. I don't know whether he had a stroke, a semi-heart attack. The Bible said his heart fainted. I see old Jacob stumble over and fall on the ground. I see them boys bring them wagons and they just encircle dad. They just put the wagons all around him. They pick his head up out of the dust. And they're saying, dad, he is alive. Dad, Joseph is alive. And dad... He looked around. The Bible said when he saw the wagons that Joseph sent, he said, my son Joseph is yet alive, and I will go and see him before I die. That'll be the very best thing you ever do for yourself, sinner. You better come and see the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm having a time. Huh? Them boys got, oh, it just develops and develops. And, and they bow. You read your Bible, you'll find them boys about five times. Five different times they bowed down to him. Five is the number of grace. They bowed down to him. It displayed the grace of God to Joseph. And uh, man, he, he's forgiven. He has the children. Get with me right quick and we're through. We're getting out of here. Chapter number 50. Very quick. He puts them in the land of Goshen. And he nourishes them there. He takes care of them. And Joseph, Jacob dies. And Joseph is coming now down to die in chapter number 50. And the Bible said, if you'll notice, the Bible said in, in, uh, the Bible said in verse number 20, but as for you, Joseph said, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now listen to me. That's real Christian maturity right there. When you can look at those that have knifed you under the fifth rib, when you can look at those that stabbed you in the back, when you can look at those that have tried to do you in climbing up the ladder of success, and you can say, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. You're growing in grace and in knowledge of the Lord. Verse 24, And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land into the land which you swear 
uh, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, that's the brethren, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from hence. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him. And he was put in a coffin in Egypt. It's interesting to me, I found out here a while back, several years ago, that word coffin, you know what it means? It means a hope chest. The Hebrew word means hope chest. You ladies know what a hope chest was? My wife had one. She'd been hoping for 27, 26 years. I'd been hoping for 28. We'd been, been a, a hope chest. She had those little things in there, th next things she'd been waiting for and keeping for the day she'd set up house. Joseph said, boys, I'm getting ready to die. And I want, they said, Jonas, to build you a pyramid? What about a sphinx? He said, no, sir. He said, I want you all to embalm me and put me in a coffin. Put me in a hope chest. <laughs> He said, there's a better day than this to come, and God's going to surely visit you. You know what we did with my dad when we, we didn't bury my dad. You bury something to get rid of it. We planted my dad in a hope chest. We planted my dad in a hope chest, and we're waiting on the better day that's a coming. On resurrection morning, when the dead in Christ shall arise, and then we're going to get up with them. And they put Joseph in a hope chest. They put him in a coffin. And Joseph said, God will surely visit you. And Joseph died. And then you'll find there was a Pharaoh who came on that knew not Joseph. 430 years went by. And finally, God by a great hand brings the children of Israel out of Egypt. Now get this. They come out of there that night and they've got the wages of 430 years. They gave them gold and silver and purple and everything. And you'll find in the book of Exodus chapter 13 verse 19. Moses is leading this exodus out. And guess what? He's got a box on his shoulders. He has got a box on his shoulders. And the Bible said it was the bones of Joseph. It was the bones of Joseph. He remembered. They, they passed that on from generation to generation. And they said, Joseph said, one day the Lord was going to deliver us. And he said, dig my bones up and take me with you. And if you could open that old box up, it'd have said, sweet dreams, sweet dreams, sweet dreams. You hear me? God's not going to leave us down here forever. Our God's not forgot us, friend. One of these days, very soon now, the Lord's going to say, come up hither. And we're checking out of here. We're going home. We're going home. Let me fantasize. If the Old Testament, now don't, don't, don't throw me out of here. If the Old Testament get up with the New Testament saints in the rapture, can you imagine if we'll just let that just play like that so, for sake of illustration. And Adam reaches over and touches Eve and said, Mom, it's time to go. And Eve reaches over and touches Abel and said, Son, it's time to go. And Abel gets Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, somebody, Jacob. Somebody taps old Joseph. And somebody taps you and you tap me. And brother, here we go to rise to meet the Lord in the air. Now I can see as old Joseph comes walking in. One of those mighty angels. I'd like to imagine one of the mighty angels is going to stand there and say, Quiet, hold it, behold this dreamer cometh. That's what them boys said. Behold this dreamer cometh. That's what them boys said. Man, I can see when the church, the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ, comes into heaven redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, one of those mighty angels is going to let out a shout and a thunder and say, Behold, these dreamers cometh. Behold! 
all these dreamers coming. This world said y'all are dreaming. Y'all believe an old black back book, King James Bible can change your life. You believe Jesus died and rose from the grave and that he's coming back to get. Y'all are dreaming. Well, just let us dream on. Let us dream on one of these days. These dreamers, the world I've said in mouths and scoffs. One day, these dreamers are going to rise to meet the Lord in the air. And praise God throughout the ceaseless ages, there'll be no more shattered dreams. There'll be no more problems and pain. There'll be no more prodigals. There'll be no more divorce and death and disease. But sweet dreams, sweet dreams, sweet dreams throughout all eternity. They said, Behold, this dreamer cometh. I challenge you tonight through the power of the Lord and the Word of God. Dream on. Dream on. I had a dream for my brother. I wanted to see my brother saved so bad. And the devil tried to get that thing shattered so many times. He said, there's no way. He's too bad. He's gone too far. But I kept dreaming and praying and trusting and dreaming and praying and trusting and Mama did and we did. Thank God one day the Lord here a while back saved old Jimbo. You say, preacher, I've got a prodigal. Preacher, I've got a situation. Preacher, it seems like my whole life is shattered to pieces. Preacher, I've got a... The doctors told me there's a disease in my body. Preacher, everything's going wrong. So I want to tell you something. There's a day coming when sweet dreams are going to be ours. And in the midst of your shatteredness, in the midst of your brokenness, stay with God. Don't let it drive you away from God. Let it draw you to God. Let's bow our heads into the preaching. Pastor, you come, please. Out of the sanitary, and they